the road and go. Where am I to go, me Johnny? Where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Hello, and welcome to Where Am I to Go podcast. Today, before we start the show, I would like to bring up some business things that have kind of been on my mind so that you can know where to get more Where Am I to Go. First off, I'd like to talk about the Facebook page at Where Am I to Go podcast. It's on Facebook, and we've been posting some wonderful pictures of some of the places that we've been and some of the adventures that we've had. Not everything that we go and do is made into a podcast and so we take pictures at different places and post those pictures so that you guys can enjoy some of the different places we've been. Also I really am interested in listener feedback. I have an email address at where am I to go podcast at gmail.com. Again that is where am I to go podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear some of the listeners' comments and some of their ideas of places that might be interesting to visit and go and do. I'm on kind of a limited travel schedule as far as uh, the way that I travel and where I go, but if there's something extremely interesting, I would definitely do my best to build a trip around it. And the last thing, and, and the latest thing, is that I now have a Patreon account, where if you want to hear the podcast early, you can go to Patreon forward slash Lauren Alberts, sign up for three, five, ten, whatever dollars if you were willing to support what I do and help us with our travel expenses and some of that kind of stuff. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. But what we're going to do is right now I have several podcasts that are banked, I guess you could say. I'm on, I think, number 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there, and I've got close to 35 that I have waiting to go out. I only put out about every week because I want to be able to keep a nice steady stream and not have a point in time when we have to shut down like a lot of other podcasts do for season one, season two. I'd like to keep this thing going year-round. And I've been traveling quite a bit and have been hitting quite a few interesting places. We've been to a tattoo museum. We've been to the beach and have gone to several uh, tourist attractions there, an underground tour. We did a cannery tour. We've just done all kinds of things, and I would love for you to be able to hear those early. So if you sign up with the Patreon, as soon as my editor Steve gets these things ready to go out, they will be put up on the Patreon page. And again, I would really appreciate your support. Now that I've got those things out of the way, I hope to hear from you and I hope you keep on listening. And now, let's get on with the podcast. Today is going to be a treat. We are at the, I call it the UFO Museum in Roswell, New Mexico, but it actually has a really technical name, which is the International UFO Museum and Research Center. Okay, the International UFO and Research Center. UFO Museum. And Museum Research and Research Center. See, and that's the reason I can't always remember it. I just know that when I've come here before, there are aliens everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a few. <laughs> and today we're here with Beth. She is the director of the museum. No. You not are? Even. 
I'm just an Indian. You're an Indian? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> so we're here with Beth, who is going to take us on our tour and uh, tell us a little bit about her museum and tell us about the research and some of that that happens here. So thank you for taking your time today, Beth. Oh, my pleasure. Of course, thank you for the opportunity. Well, before we get started, let's talk a little bit about Roswell. Because Roswell itself? I think everybody knows about Roswell as far as the alien uh, connection. I mean, whenever you say Roswell, New Mexico, everybody says, oh, the spaceship crashed here. But uh, a lot of people don't really know about what is here as far as the community and, and some of that type of stuff. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Roswell? Roswell, it seems like a very small town, and it actually it is kind of a small town. It's in a very um, open area in uh, southeastern New Mexico, but it's also well-traveled. People that want to go into Texas, Oklahoma, Arizona, usually end up coming through Roswell. So what they do, most people do, is, is they make a day of it, and we have a lot to offer. We have a lot of really cool restaurants. We have a lot of uh, amazing uh, cultural opportunities. We have our museum as well as we have a contemporary art museum, Don Anderson's Contemporary uh, Art Museum. What Mr. Anderson did was uh, having a vision and wanting to give back to the community, he created an artist colony, and he, host, he hosted people from all over the world, offering them um, opportunities to explore their art. And okay. um, all of that was free. They were free from living expenses, free from all of that, and they could explore their art. And their art is in that museum, and it's one of the most remarkable museums I think I've ever been in. And I've been in a lot of museums. That one is really awesome. Not only because it's all got all this cool stuff, but the people that run it are awesome. Don Anderson is awesome, and its legacy is awesome. I mean, how cool is that? You're and really I've been to cool. Roswell several times. Mm -hmm. I've never been to that museum. You gotta go. You but gotta I did go. go to the Goddard Museum. The Goddard Museum is cool. It is. That cool. really is cool. And for yeah. those who don't know, Goddard, I think, is considered the father of rocketry. Mm -hmm. and rocketry. Really a neat museum. Yeah, he and made all that happen right here in Roswell. It's amazing. It is. it is. It is cool. It is cool. And then you've also got a military institute here. Mm -hmm. We do. The uh, McBride Museum is our military museum, and it's on the campus of the New Mexico Mil Military Institute. And then there's lots of things recreationally to do around here. Recreationally, yeah. We have a water park. Um, it's up north. It's in uh, a park area, a sports park area called Cielo Grande. Uh, we have... Um, well, we have our base, which really sounds kind of boring, but if you think about it, it's really not. We have National Guard training down there, but we also, our base, our landing strip, everything is still state-of-the-art. We can still land and or deploy anything you've got fully loaded, which makes a pretty heavy airplane. Wow. And that's where they teach them how to do it from all over the world. Right here in Roswell. Right here in Roswell, down at the base. It's really cool. The other day, flying over my house was eight vintage Chinooks. How cool is that? Oh, that How is cool. How cool is that? Now, the Chinook helicopters, for those who aren't aware, are the ones that have the, 
the two propellers, one at the front and one at the back, mm -hmm. and they make a lot of really cool noise. But a lot of really huge. cool noise. They do. A, my neighbor is so mad because <laughs> his rain gutters were going like that. Oh. He had to have the guy come out and fix his rain gutters, but it was so cool. And of course, we all get in our cars and go down there and watch. It's, it's really awesome. It's really wow. awesome. Roswell has a lot to offer. And a it's a community offer. of what a size? How many people? About 52,000. Okay, that's kind of what I was yeah. going to guess. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Cool. And then just south of here, an hour away, hour and a half away, you've got uh, Carlsbad Caverns. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they're beyond explainable. They are just absolutely cool. You have to go. You do? You have to go and experience not only the caverns, but the whole park. It's just beautiful. It really is beautiful. But the caverns are amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, walking down is cool, up not so much, so they have an elevator. Right. Yeah. But it's it's a, about a mile and a half walk from the entrance on down. They've got a paved trail with handrails and, and it's yes, lit. Yes, they do. But it is, it is just a wonderful you a secret, place to go. It's cool to do that, but if you take the elevator down, that's where all the super cool stuff is. All the big giant rooms and you can sign up for tours. Okay. And, and they take you to the, all of these really cool rooms. Now, if you want to walk down, that's fine. But all the cool stuff's at the bottom. Okay. Yeah, yeah I've walked down a couple different times. I've yeah. never really even thought about once that because it was always cool once walking was good. down. Uh, once was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we are here at the museum, and mm -hmm. the first room that we're that we're coming into here is the library. Yes, it is. And the thing that I'm finding absolutely amazing, besides the picture of the crash at the end of the at the end of the library, mm -hmm. which is taking up a, a whole ten by ten wall that or so. That was done for us by the Roswell High School Art Club in 1999. Oh, really? Yeah. They did a fantastic job. Didn't they? Though, and it's a they real did. mural. It's really painted on the wall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got the picture of the spacecraft with uh -huh. three aliens outside. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's it's a neat Oh, hey, the clouds even make an cool? alien face up above the the, uh, the the flying saucer. Yeah. There's the exactly. word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. That is just a really cool picture. But the thing that amazes me is I thought that there'd be 100 books written on UFOs. And you've got to have... A thousand or more in here. It's amazing how many books you have on UFOs. Yes, but not just UFOs, the genre in general. Okay, when you say the genre in general, you're referring well, to... Well, our mission statement. This, the reason why I love to set up in the library for like podcasts and such, and I love to show people our library, is it completely defines our mission statement, which is to collect, protect, and make available any and all information, ufology, the study of ufology, the history of ufology, the future of ufology, but also astronomy, and even a little bit of astrology. There's a little bit of paranormal in here. There's a little bit of, um, uh, actually quite a lot of uh, incidents of visitation. There's a lot of pop culture. Okay, yeah. but still, it's all based around the UFO or, mm -hmm. or extraterrestrials. Yeah. Or, mm -hmm. And there is just, I mean, it's amazing how many books she has in here. And then just beyond this room, she's got another room that's the archives. Mm -hmm. And in the archives, mm -hmm. it's, it's a full room full of documentation that was used mm -hmm. for all of these books, correct? 
Well, it, there's more than that. Okay. There's way, way more than that. Um, we, uh, the museum itself subscribes to a magazine called Fate Magazine. Okay. Which is hard to find. Okay. Um, a lot of times people don't know it exists, so we subscribe to it so that you know it exists. And what's and in Fate Magazine? Just information that people have gathered, kind of like, um, um, I'm sure you're familiar with the, um, the practice of an author writing an article or part of his book for a magazine. Okay. Same thing. But then we also have, uh, on an international basis, we have uh, magazines that people have sent us, they've sent us our, their collections, their, um, uh, let's say, conference notes. A lot of times, if you think about it, if you go to a conference and you have your conference notes, you have your uh, conference catalog, um, nine times out of ten, what do you do with it? You throw it away. Okay. Or you use it as a coffee cup coaster. Right. But we've got some in there that are really, really quite unique from very, very popular conferences. We also have um, technical notes from NASA. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and you brought a book out for us mm -hmm. that you said was an author's scrapbook. It looks kind of like a scrapbook. It's a collection. Mm -hmm. that, and there's uh, probably about a, a little over 100, 100 of those in there. Okay, and what this book is full of, it's a loose-leaf binder, but he's got all of his newspaper articles, mm -hmm. all of his uh, mm -hmm. magazine articles, mm -hmm. all of his research mm -hmm. that he used for writing his book. And there's all kinds of pages. Uh, you were explaining that all of the footnotes in the back and everything is, is how they document this, is in mm -hmm. these loose, loose leaf binders. If you were to write a book and use his information to put in that book, and you were to do the notes and the footnotes and acknowledgments, you could say that you got this information on these two pages from this article because you did. Okay. And, and so this is all of the research material that goes beyond what's just in books that you can look mm -hmm. at. This gives you additional, along with everything in your archive. Mm -hmm. exactly. Now, how open is that to the public? Let's say I was going to write a book, and I contacted you and said, can I use some of your information? Is, am I free to come in here and copy? Absolutely. And that's another beauty of it. You'll, you'll find that other people, like the gentleman I was telling you about in, uh, in uh, Europe. Right. Okay, you'll find that people can collect books all day long, but they not, may, may want to share for various reasons. Our, our library is available 9 to 5, 362 days a year. Wow. And what you can do is email our librarian, our archivist. Everything in here is in those two computers right there. Okay. And you tell her exactly what you want and how you want to do it. That's my phone. Oh, okay. Um, I keep thinking it's mine. I'm going no. to turn my sounds off. <laughs> I'm good. You can tell her what you want to study and how you want to study it. What you want, uh, what you want to accomplish. Are you just curious? Is it part of a book? Is it part of a movie? Is it part of a script? What would you like and how would you like it? Okay. And she gets everything ready for you. So you're not sitting at this big table with a stack of books. She's you can start here, you can start here. She'll help you design your study plan. Wow, how wonderful is that for somebody that's doing research? Mm -hmm. It is. That's why they come here for us. Because yeah. we are one hundred percent supportive of that. 
That is just, that, that's an amazing service. It is amazing. And not only that, but you wouldn't believe how rare it is. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's almost like you've got a paid uh, mm-hmm. researcher exactly. on, on your side. And that's part of what we do. That is as a cool. team. We do everything as a team. That is way too cool. It is too cool. And you said that the word international was extremely mm-hmm. important in your name. They insisted that it be in there, and nobody really understood why they wanted the word international when we're a little tiny town in the middle of nowhere in the desert. But the most famous town for this. <laughs> well, no, we weren't at the time. Everybody thought we were a little crazy because at the time uh, when uh, the Center for UFO Studies and Dr. Alan Hynek and his staff, including Stanton Friedman and Don Schmidt and Kevin Randall, when they got through, all they had was stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of information. Okay. We weren't even a museum yet. So we, we were media. And most museums, not that we don't have some cool stuff. We got some way cool stuff. But most museums are stuff. Right. Do you really want to go somewhere and read a thing on the wall? Yeah. You see what my, my point? But then they decided, well, what are we going to do with it? So they framed it. They're... You probably remember the display at Center for UFO Studies in those great vintage right. frames. That was the original museum. Okay. Those those huge frames, and they were in two building, uh, two rooms at the um, uh, at the bank building up the street. Okay. So what somebody said was, well, a museum is where people go to connect with their heritage on their own level. So why not a museum? Right. And they put it together and they did that. And of course, along the way, you acquire stuff, a lot of cool stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And we do have some cool stuff. You do have a lot of cool stuff. But we also have a lot of information. There's a lot of information available here. And we wanted to encourage people to reach out. Not only people in America, but people all over the world. And they did. They do. That is that is way cool. You it said that cool. you said you've got researchers coming in from all over the world. Mm-hmm. In fact, you said that uh, so the Russian government has just started to release some of their information. Well, they're starting to realize that there's an interest and probably probably a benefit. Okay. To it, they're not so much turning a blind eye and denying it and sweeping it under the carpet. And our researchers have gotten with their researchers and. Our researchers are frequently invited to research conferences like in Australia, Japan, Brazil. And one of our researchers happened to um, run into one of the researchers from um, Russia and and, uh, kind of picked their brains a little bit. Yeah, we're hoping. Of course, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Right. Yeah, we're hoping. And how do you finance all of this research and going to all these different places? Do you have people that are on your paid staff that do that? Or are there researchers that do this and then come back and report? Um, It depends. One of our researchers is one of our original researchers. And um, I'm not really sure how they do it financially. I know that our admission fee and what we have at the uh, out of the gift shop is a lot of it. But then we have donations, too. 
Okay. And we are nonprofit, but we don't get anything from the government. Okay, so you're totally independent from the government. As independent as we can be, yeah. Of course, cool. we'd like stuff from the government, but every now and then we get something from, I think, the state. When we have um, festivals and stuff like that, we get a little lodger's tax to make things happen. Okay. Well, let's uh, talk about the museum. Okay. And the actual displays that you have. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to be able to take an actual tour because things are kind of shut down. Beth has really gone out of her way to make sure that we could have this interview today. I was just in the museum last February. Maybe mm -hmm. it was March. Mm -hmm. And so I've got a pretty good recollection of, of how things go. But uh, as we go, kind of keep me reminded as far as what some of the displays were. Sure. And some of that. And hopefully this COVID thing all gets resolved to where you can be back up and running full time and, and everything will work good. Oh, I think way. it'll happen that way. I really do. But I remember that as we first came in uh, to the museum part, mm -hmm. some of the first things you see is you had a little room to the side that had some radio equipment in it mm -hmm. and some of that kind of stuff. What was what was all of that display? That's all the incident itself we have set up in a timeline fashion. Okay. There's a lot to read. There's a lot to absorb. There's a lot of information. And in that first cubicle, that's pretty much um, the incident itself, the couple, two, three days, the incident itself. And that's also where the conspiracy is born. And, and you also had, if I remember right, some actual recordings of mm -hmm. we have a sound things bite. as they were being released as they were happening with We have a sound crash. bite from an ABC broadcast, Taylor Grant. We call it one of our smoking guns. Okay. Because as the military is denying, um, at first they said, yeah, okay, we got it, and it's fine, we got this, we got that, nothing to see here. Well, then this controversy is being born, and uh, ABC broadcast, Taylor Grant, that's big. Okay. Okay? That's an associated press release. You can't just say anything. Whatever you say has to be vetted. And at the time, ABC was big time. Okay, Within the soundbite, he says, ABC News, Taylor Grant, acknowledges the crash. Brigadier General Roger Ramey and William Blanchard acknowledge the crash, acknowledge the location, acknowledge retrieving it, acknowledge having it at the Roswell Army Airfield. Okay? and acknowledge arranging transportation in two different directions to two different research bases with two different transports. Now, why would they need to do that for a weather balloon? Right. Let's, let's just back up a little bit, and let's talk about the Roswell incident and just kind of give a brief history. I'm 100% sure that almost everybody's heard about the Roswell incident. Mm -hmm. But let's kind of cover a little bit of the of the timeline and what happened, okay? We've got, uh, what, when did this happen? 1946? 1947. 1947. July 9, 1947. In July. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was at night, is that correct? Yes, it was around uh, a little after 11, between 11.20 uh, and midnight. And how did they see the crash? You couldn't miss it. Okay. Everybody in town kind of saw it? Well... Keep in mind that we're a small town, and we've always been rather weird. Okay? okay. We have, at that time, we have our monsoon season, and it's remarkable. 
I mean the wind and the rain and the lightning and the thunder and the little bitty tornadoes, and it's awesome. And, and being the weirdos that we are, we go out and watch it. Okay. okay. And they still do to this day. They're up and down the streets in their rain slickers. They're sitting at the bottom of their driveways with their lawn chairs, and they're loving it, every bit of it. My neighbor actually watches his car. True story. <laughs> well, there were all these people out. It was over the 4th of July. There were all of these people out. I asked a researcher, I said, estimate, how many people do you think actually looked up in the sky and saw that? And he said, oh, at least 300. Now, that's uh, a lot of people. Right. At 11.30 at night, looking up in the sky, seeing something. For somebody to say, well, you didn't see anything. It didn't happen. Of course it happened. What was it? It wasn't a weather balloon. Right. That's, that's for sure. Okay. So we have the crash. Mm-hmm. And did people immediately rush to it, or...? Uh... Well, the, um, the gentleman that eventually found the wreckage on the ranch he was working on, Matt Brazel, he heard it in the night, as did other ranchers, his, his neighbors. And being um, local to the military, a military airfield, they just thought it was a plane in trouble. But they also thought, in a night like this, what's a plane doing out there? I mean, really? You're going to deploy a plane in this? It was crazy town. And right. it was unprecedented weather. And there wasn't anything else on the radar except this little blip that they couldn't quite figure out what it was. And we're talking about military radar. Okay. Okay. Well, that next day, he decides he's going to go out and check on his sheep, which was what he was getting paid for. And he couldn't find them, which was highly unusual because in the morning, sheep, although they're cute and they're lucrative, they're stupid. They're, they're, they see the guy with the truck, with the food. They come running. Right. But he couldn't find them. And he finally found them all huddled together against an arroyo. Still couldn't get them to come eat. Still couldn't get them to go to water. And he thought, well, something had to have happened to scare them, and something was still scaring them. So he was looking around, and he saw the debris field. Well, he decided that it had to have been a military craft that was compromised and crashed. So he's looking at all the debris, thinking, what am I going to do with all this debris? I have to do something. He called the owners of the ranch. The owners of the ranch arranged for him to take the sheep to another pasture, pasture the sheep, and then he had to clean this up. Well, his neighbors came and said, well, that must have been the military craft. And one of the neighbors said, I don't think it was a military craft. And then he was convinced by his neighbors that it possibly wasn't a military craft. But somebody had to help him clean this up. And he was just going to kind of irate him and his ranch hand, went even further to discover that there was a piece of the craft, a large chunk of the craft, that had locate well they don't really know how exactly it got there but it got there they don't really know exactly how it got there but it got there and it was a large piece of the ship itself um, kind of in a very very rural area up against a large arroyo and he's, he had told people that it was difficult to get to but once he did get to it, he realized that it was a very unusual ship, an extremely un unusual ship, 
and that there were beings in it. Now, he, he didn't at that point in time realize that they might have been alien beings. He just thought that they were people that were in trouble. Well, he puts some of the stuff in the box. He went into town, which is no small trip if you live in the middle of nowhere in 1947. He right. had to come into town. It's about 76 miles. He went to the sheriff's office and told the sheriff, off, sheriff, sheriff uh, Wilcox about the incident, about what happened, about what he found, about what was out there. And the sheriff interviewed him and said, mm, really, I don't know. Things crash around here all the time. And maybe he's just looking for publicity, maybe he's looking for a little money, or both. At that time, Frank Joyce, the radio station, KGFL Radio, is calling around for all the news that's fit to print, as they do. And Sheriff Wilcox says, well, you might want to come down and talk to this guy. He might have something interesting. So now we have a dynamic where this gentleman, Mac Brazel, has been interviewed by a sheriff, George Wilcox, but now he's about to be interviewed by a radio guy. Two entirely different dynamics. You'll have to agree. Right, okay. right. Well, they decide that maybe he had something to say, and they decided, too, that maybe they should fully and completely debrief him, so they took him to the radio station owner's home. They interviewed him, they wrote everything down, they recorded him, and they decided to keep him overnight to do um, a radio program the next day, a live broadcast. Radio back then wasn't like radio is now. It wasn't 24-7, especially in the middle of nowhere. Right. So in the meantime, the military police come into the radio owner's home, confiscate Mr. Brazel, confiscate all of the material, every bit of it, and warn them not to speak of any of this. And they take Mr. Brazel against his will, without benefit of counsel, without benefit of any contact, and they bring him down to the base, and they put him in the military jail, and he was there for, I think, the business end of a week, holding him against his will. Wow. Again, because of a weather balloon. Right. I mean, that's where the rubber hit the road, right there. And people were thinking... If that was a weather balloon, and you want us to believe it was a weather balloon, you're going to have to be a lot more convincing, because a lot of people saw that come screaming out. People d describe it to this day, and they say, there's no way on God's green earth they're going to ever convince people that that was a weather balloon. Huh. That's where the rubber hits hit the road. That's where the controversy was born. Okay. Yeah, and then the military moved in in force to secure the site. Secure the site, they quarantined the area, they quarantined the town. You couldn't leave town. Really? You couldn't go north, you couldn't go west, you couldn't go east, and the only way you could go was south, was you'd end up at the base anyway. Huh, that is interesting. Very All over a weather balloon. A weather balloon, have you ever seen one? <laughs> once they once they come crashing to earth, once they land, they're garbage. Right. But on the other hand, if you happen to catch one before it was compromised by the weather, by the sun, and by the rain and all of that, you had a gold mine. You could make a pond out of it. You could cover oh. a pen. You had the line and the grommets. 
And if you happen to find the device that's hanging from it, and you take it down to the base, they'll give you three bucks. Oh, really? Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's well in 1947, <laughs> yeah. three bucks was worth something. If you don't have electricity or, or running water, you got three bucks. You got yourself something there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, and how many beings were supposedly in the craft? Is that all up for speculation, or did he actually see things? He actually saw them. And when um, when the local fire department was dispatched out there, there were uh, people on the fire crew that were, um, that were out there, and they say they saw something walking around. Okay. They don't know what it was, but... Originally, there were four, but they brought back three. Huh. That's weird. That is weird. Like, one's still walking around, or, well, we don't know. The military know. came in and secured things and we don't know. kept everything hush. We don't know. Wow. So, in our first display here, we have all of this information all outlined, and it talks about that. They've got an actual recording of that ABC News uh, clip. Yep. And then from there, we move on around the corner, and you've got another whole wall that had, if I remember right, had more uh, stories about mm -hmm. uh, encounters. Now, were those ones specific to Roswell, or were they kind of international? It deals with more the documentation. We have two separate headlines from Roswell Daily Record. We have headlines from um, uh, newspapers from all over the country, and we have yet another smoking gun. And what is that? It is uber cool. It okay. is so cool. Okay. There's a picture of Brigadier General Roger Ramey sitting in an office with his uh, chief of staff, Colonel Thomas Jefferson DuBose. Colonel DuBose is holding this nasty mess of foil and balsa wood that's supposed to be this weather balloon that it has got everybody all bananas. Brigadier General Roger Ramey is kind of crouched down, and he has a telex in his hand. Okay. okay. Now, back then, you couldn't read it. You knew it was a telex because you knew what a telex looks like. Even if you, if you didn't know what a telex looks like, you'd just say it's a piece of paper. Okay. Well, cryptologists, they're really amazing people. They're like, have you ever, have you ever given a dog a bone? Well, they, yeah. They're on that bone till hell won't have it. And right. that's exactly what they were. And now when we talk about cryptologists, a cryptologist, from my understanding, is somebody that uh, follows maybe aliens, UFOs, Sasquatch, Loch well, Ness Monster, too, but what they do that. is they decipher. A lot of these cryptologists that were in on that were in, in on deciphering messages that were coming um, during wartime, they they jumble letters, they jumble um, sentences, okay. and you're supposed to be able to decipher that. Okay. And that's what they do. They decipher that, and it's like um, it's like this remarkable puzzle. Okay. You have to figure out what that's saying. And they had the best cryptologists. All of a sudden, they're hungry. This is the new bone, and they were on it like a cheap suit. They were everywhere on it. It okay. was amazing. I've actually talked to one of the gentlemen that was on it, and he said he couldn't sleep until he got in on it. He wanted in on it so bad. But nope. nobody could agree 
on things, on what certain words were. Right. And you can have a word, a word, a word, a word, but what is it saying? You can't okay. put it together to make a sentence. David Rudiak, the king of the cryptographers, got a hold of it, and he deciphered that memo, that telex, and determined that it was not only a regular telex, but it was from Vandenberg, which meant it was from Washington. Okay. Brigadier General Roger Ramey needed Washington to tell him what to do with a weather balloon. Okay? That's important. Keep, yeah, keep that frame, frame of mind. But in the telex, it says it acknowledges the incident itself. It acknowledges the date. It acknowledges the ranch. It acknowledges the location. It acknowledges bringing it back to Roswell Army Airfield. And it acknowledges the ship, calling it a pod, a pan, it acknowledges beings, uh, referring to them as aviators and victims, and advises Brigadier General Roger Ramey to arrange transportation in two different directions, two different transports to Carlswell and Wrightfield. Wow. Isn't that a dust-up over a weather balloon? Over a weather balloon. Yeah. And they're still sticking to that story. Aren't they, though? I mean, I just I remember reading here five years ago that they said that they were putting it to rest because it was definitely a weather balloon and they'd made a mistake in in causing the controversy. They should have just said it was a weather balloon to begin with. Mm -hmm. and Yeah, they're still stuck oh, yeah, in that Yeah, they story. tried to sell the mogul, which is amazing. Now, granted, the mogul was awesome in its day. Now, what's the mogul? Okay. Have you ever seen a box kite? Right. You've seen a mogul. Okay. It's a weather balloon, but it's not as big as a weather balloon. It's different than a weather balloon, and its purpose was different. We were What we were doing is we were spying on the Russians. We wanted to know what they were doing with nuclear testing. And this box kite weather balloon was going to go straight up, measure the air for nuclear particles, where they were coming from, and what time this nuclear thing, and then that device within it was going to come back down and tell them everything they wanted to know. And you had a display of that, if I remember mm -hmm. right. Yeah. You've mm -hmm. got one of those moguls set up with... I, or, or during the pictures? remodel, I don't know if we still have, I know we have a picture. Okay. But like I said, if you've ever seen a box kite... Right. I remember, I remember okay. seeing that well, last year. Well, it turned out that after they had fun and games playing with it, that the information was inaccurate. So off to the basement it went. Okay. But they said, oh, yeah, it was top secret. It was hush-hush. It was top secret which, you know, pardon my French, was BS because it wasn't top secret. The man that invented the mogul did so at his home, and the mock-up of the mogul um, he made in his home and brought to the base in his truck. How's that for top secret? <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty top secret. Yeah, I know. It's really, really top secret. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then as we're standing in the lobby, mm -hmm. you have a... a Really cool setup there where you've got a UFO or a flying saucer, mm -hmm, right. and then you've got several of the outer space extraterrestrials <laughs> yeah. standing around it. <laughs> well, you got to have some fun with it, right? You do, and it's it's <laughs> kind of a neat picture, kind of a neat yeah. picture-taking yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. 
Well, <coughs> what's life without a selfie, right? That's yeah. right. Well, a selfie with an alien. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That makes it, yeah, well, Don't the leave Roswell right? without a selfie with an alien. Okay? Right. <laughs> and it gives you those opportunities. It's 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 a fun little it diorama or, or whatever. And it's, it it's life-size. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. it's it. you've got your uh, extraterrestrials mm-hmm. that are five foot tall or so. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty neat display. Yeah. And then you've also got this horse. <laughs> that yeah. stands in the middle yeah. that is all covered with newspaper articles. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it, it's kind of a full-sized horse, mm-hmm. uh, I'm assuming made out of fiberglass, mm-hmm. and then covered with a resin, and, and there's all the newspaper articles mm-hmm. uh, plastered all over this. Uh-huh. It's a really neat-looking horse. You can it stand is, there yeah. and read the horse for a long time. You want to hear something really funny? Yes. Most of the dogs that come in here bark at it. Really? Yeah, they bark at it. Huh, and you have dogs come in. Oh, sure. You're yeah, a dog-friendly museum. Dog-friendly, cat-friendly, bunny rabbits, iguanas, geese, ducks, turtles, bring it. Sure. Really? We love being pet-friendly. Yes. That is that is way cool. Yeah, it is cool. So if you come to Roswell in the summer and it's 105 degrees outside, mm-hmm. your dog can come in mm-hmm. and be comfortable, too. Mm-hmm. If you can control it, you can bring it. That is, that, that's way cool when you're allowed to do that. It is the, cool. The dogs enjoy it, too. They, they get to feel them pretty special. Oh they walk star. around yeah, with their tails do. all up yeah. in the air and they love strutting it. it and, they do. They but, love it. And we get to meet all kinds of really cool pets. Yeah, it, I had a, it's awesome. I went to the Air Museum in Tucson one time, and it was warm outside. And the, right on the door, it said, please bring your pets inside. That poor little dog thought she was uh, catching me out, getting to go, getting to go get museum to go hopping. <laughs> exactly. So... Uh, and then, as we as we keep coming on around, mm-hmm. we end up at your what? What was your giant man? You have a gort, our gort, a gort. Yes, mm-hmm. and explain the gort to me. I mean, he's a great big like tin man mm-hmm. uh, that is probably ten foot tall. I'm guessing. Did you see the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still, the original one? No, I did not. Oh come on, where were you? I don't know. I don't watch much TV. He was in the movies. He, he was. was in the movies. Okay. Yes, of course. Anyway, uh, Gort. <laughs> <laughs> Gort is um, uh, well, he's a character in the uh, in the movies. The uh, Year stood still, and um, our Gort came from the uh, original um, artist studio and the original mold. The only difference between our Gort and that Gort is that Gort was uh, the costume was designed to fit an actor by the name of Locke Martin. He was seven feet two inches tall. Wow. And that costume was mostly uh, foam. Um, uh, there was some balsa wood in there. There was some wool in there. And you can see the gort there has, um, has a body, has arms, has a helmet, and legs and feet. That gort was more or less cut in half. Okay. So he was wearing the front and the back, the original actor. And now, and now what, what was... Okay, since I didn't see the movie... you got to go to, see the movie. Well, I guess I do need to go see a movie, but I haven't done it. So is this an old movie? Uh-huh. The Day the Earth Stood it's Still. Still, Michael Rennie... Um, Oh, I don't remember the, the actress's name, Patricia. 
And it's a space type movie? Mm -hmm. but Futuristic it's a very, or? It's a very important movie. And it's a very communicative movie. Uh, Michael Rennie is the alien visitor. And he comes to Earth and he has a message for Earth. You have to stop messing around with the Earth because you're going to kill it. Okay. And if you think we're going to let you kill it, you got another thing coming. In okay. other words, it's a big throwdown. It's a big throwdown. And in the second one... Oh, the there was second, two movies? Yeah, Jennifer Connelly and uh, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is the alien visitor. It's even better. It okay. really makes you think about what could possibly happen. And Big Brother is watching. Okay. So well, the next time you want to throw that coffee cup in the ocean, think twice. Because Big Brother is watching. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to have to go watch this movie now. Watch this one. The original one. Okay. is really, really hits at home. There's nothing wrong with the other one. Don't get okay. me wrong. But this one really hits at home. It was state of the art at the time. My... Um, my babysitter went to see it. Uh, I, I think, I think I know which theater, but I don't remember the theater. And she said, "Oh, we stood in line for hours." Really? And they had to put extra showings. Remember the movies where they had a movie, a movie, and then this, and then that, and a movie, and a movie, and that was it. They had to consistently show that movie. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. The day That's how the good Earth it was. Stood, stood still. still. Uh -huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and he's part to... of our pop culture. Okay. We, we like the pop culture part of it, too, because most of the pop culture uh, you'll see is um, based on communication. Okay. Um, uh, the War of the Worlds, E.T., mm -hmm. uh, Close Encounters is a Third Kind. It's all about a communication. Really, okay. it's fascinating. And you have a lot of the posters of all of mm -hmm. these shows mm -hmm. and a lot of yep. a lot of other things yep, on do. display from Communion, that pop culture. X Files, Project Blue Book. Yeah, we have all of that in our pop culture section for you. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing all those posters and and all of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff too. Now, did you have a clip also of the War of the Worlds? An actual clip? It seemed to me that I had heard one of those, but it may not have been here. You may have seen. I don't know if we have. At the time, we had touch screens that were available. Okay. And you could touch screen and hear something about the person or but the project. But you've removed those. Well, we didn't remove them. We just unplugged them. Oh, That's okay. it right there. Yeah. That's it the right there. Stood Patricia Neal and Hugh Marlowe. Okay. Michael Rennie, Patricia Neal, Hugh Marlowe. And we're and looking at a poster that has the Gort holding mm -hmm. a girl. Well, in... In the movie, she he he scares her, which you admit he's a little menacing, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah. And she does well, faint. seven foot tall. Yeah, and with the coming right. out of his helmet, yeah, he's going to zap you. Okay. And then we get to this mm, display. That display. That display is amazing, isn't that cool? Yeah. One of our researchers by the name of Frank Kimbler is also a, uh, an assistant professor up at our uh, New Mexico Military Institute, and um, his claim to fame is bio and echo sciences. Okay. So on, uh, on an arranged basis, he goes out to the crash site and he designs his digs. He might take somebody with him, he might not, he might not be able to. But everything has to be perfect. Since it's a working ranch, you just can't walk on there. Right. Okay. Um, and that's some of the things that he's found. 
Oh, okay. Now, everything except that button. Okay. Okay. All of the rest of it has gone to labs and can't be explained. Really? Now, now how do they explain the button? The button. Okay. Again, let's go back to it. It's only a weather balloon story, okay? Okay. Hundreds of military personnel crawling on their stomachs, picking up every incy bit of debris that they could find. Okay. One of them lost his button. No. Hundreds of them lost their buttons. Oh. He's got two huge jars full of buttons. Really? Eyeglass frames, wristwatches, lighters, wedding rings. So he picked up all the parts of the balloon, supposedly, mm -hmm. but they missed all the parts that they left behind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Boy, that's, that's exactly that's what That's efficiency. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Huh. It re redefines littering, if you ask me, yeah. But he but he has found actual pieces that cannot mm -hmm. be explained. Well, you know what I think is really interesting? See this piece right here? And we're looking at a glass case that has several different items in it, uh, kind of put up on little pedestals. Okay. And the one that she's going to describe to us is... Everybody, whenever they find something that's really kind of, oh, what's that? Let's go have it looked at. Well, it turns out to be kind of like aluminum. Okay. But not. But not. Kind of like aluminum. Kind of like almost aluminum. Now, how is something almost aluminum? I don't know. Neither do they. This is almost, almost not quite a standard polymer. Huh. Almost. That is interesting. And this over there is almost radio-grade crystal alloy. Almost. Almost. But not quite. Now, don't you think that's kind of curious? Yeah. And these people are supposed to know. They're labs for people's Right, yeah. yeah. Almost. But not Which quite. Which, actually, I had the most fascinating conversation with a gentleman about that. And he has he had this theory... That would I could just go on and on for days with this guy, what he said. It was just amazing. Well, he said, I'll tell you, and this is really, really fascinating. He said, okay, how many planets are out there? A lot, okay. Where does all that come from? When they take all this stuff and they make all kinds of cool stuff, where does it come from? It comes from the Earth. Right. Okay. Well, what if you found a planet that had everything that you needed in order to make almost aluminum. <laughs> what if? What if? And what if you took all of that material and made almost aluminum on another planet with a different atmosphere like with no gravity? I don't know. Good maybe you, maybe you'd have almost aluminum. Yeah. Yeah. How cool is that? I mean just just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. Right. Are we the only planet that can be mined for aluminum? I would I would imagine that it's a natural thing throughout the whole universe. Right. But it comes from the planet. <clears throat> right. Right. Interesting thought, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Okay, we are going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. Okay. So These are for let's you guys, by the way. On. Continuing on, we walk on around to a place where you have... An alien corpse. <laughs> it's inside of a tube, uh -huh. and it's laying there, 
an alien corpse pose. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a prop from a play. From a play? It's a prop, yeah. From okay. A play, yeah. And, what, and what was the play? I don't, one of the plays that they were doing at one of the high schools. I, oh. And I, I'm sorry, I don't know, but it's a prop. It's, it's still cool. It's, yeah, it's still cool. I mean, you know, as we as we further go on around, well, we'll just talk about this room right now. You have your alien autopsy room. <laughs> well, again, you have to have some fun with it. You do. But that, that came this museum's from... a lot of fun, by the way. Tell it, me it, there, about it. We're having a blast. There's a, there's a lot of factual information here. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of uh, a lot of things that are. I don't really want to use the word hokey, but they're they're a little bit bizarre or a little bit <laughs> yes, fun. They or, are. The, I, I don't know the word to describe it. Like like the the thing that we were talking about earlier with the aliens all around their little spaceship uh-huh. and, and some of that. Yeah. Uh, the alien autopsy room. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really on that fun area or not. I mean, there was an actual movie made mm-hmm. where they had this the scene that you've mm-hmm. got portrayed there with the alien on right? the autopsy yes. table. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the name of the movie was. Roswell, oh. the UFO cover-up. Okay. And that was a documentary. Well... They couldn't call it a documentary. Okay. They weren't allowed to call it a documentary, so they called it a docudrama. Okay. And and I remember watching this movie years ago. It's, what, probably 15 years old? Something like that. And, you know, it, it showed them, it, it talked about the crash, and then it talked about the aliens, and then it talked about, they did autopsies on a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And they also documented that there were a couple of that were alive that did not die in the crash. Mm-hmm. But uh, was that a factual event, or is this? Well, a, they they weren't calling it an autopsy; they were calling it an examination. Okay. And that that you see there is a, a prop from the movie, donated to the museum by uh, the executive producer, Mr. Davids, Paul okay. Davids. Okay. And and it's it's kind of cool. I mean, it you know, you've cool. got your doctors and you've got the We alien. call him Junior. You call him Junior. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's an actual movie prop. Yes, it is. <clears throat> that is it is cool. Yeah. It, it it you can stand there and look at it for a long time. They've got all the medical instruments in mm-hmm. there and right. and the alien laying there and uh-huh. and I don't remember if he's if he's cut open or not. I don't I, think he's cut open. He's I, a little banged up, but I don't think he's cut open. Yeah, that may have been it. <laughs> Yeah, but it was just—it's kind of a fun place. And then just right before you get to that part, mm-hmm. you've got a whole uh, hoax display mm-hmm. where you've got all these different uh, UFO sightings and stuff, mm-hmm. that, and pictures, and some of that. And it talks about what some of the things used for the hoax were, like a saucer put on top mm-hmm. of a. Uh, Table or, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. just lots of different things. Right. And well, I found very, that really fascinating. a very important part of the research because someone shows you a picture, like uh, somebody uh, makes a MUFON report, and they say, well, i got pictures. Right. Okay. So a researcher whose specialty it is to determine the validity of that picture, then you first have to know what a hoax looks like. You have to know what a phony looks like. Right. You have to know if somebody had way too many beers and set a frisbee on fire and sent it across the lake, which happens. 
Yeah. And some yeah, of them look very, very real. I mean, the pictures you have there, you could look at it and swear up and down that it was yes. a flying saucer. Yes. Uh -huh. And yet, because you look for strings, you look for other uh -huh. things that are maybe right. props. Exactly. And there's nothing there. And so you're going, no, I'm seeing a flying saucer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And exactly. It's really cool the way that you debunk them mm -hmm. in, in that display. And that's, uh, these people, their, uh, their research is just that and only that. To debunk, if it can be debunked, they debunk it. Wow. Yeah. And do you have those researchers here also, or they they volunteer, or you send well, it off to they're, people? They're, they're mostly, if they're not Center for UFO Studies, it's usually MUFON. It's usually what? MUFON. Mutual UFO Network. Okay, okay. And do you guys work with SETI at all? Um, on occasion. On occasion, it's like two different things. Okay. Um, so, SETI, SETI's a group of people that are looking for communication or radio mm -hmm. waves, or, and they're sending right. out stuff. But they've right. got a lot of independent researchers, from what I understand, mm -hmm. that are sitting on their computer all day long, mm -hmm. watching for radio signals mm -hmm. or whatever. I didn't right. know if that was part of the research here. Um, not really, no. I mean, they come here and we're, you know, we're friendly. They come here to enjoy our museum. Right. But um, that's something different, really. That's something different. Okay. Not uh, not too different, but it's something different. It's a different branch of kind of. Right. Well, right. I guess they, they're not looking they for the... They have more of a different agenda. Um, not that it's not cool. It is pretty cool what they have going on. And um, it's not just the array in New Mexico, but they have them all over the world. They have them in um, Australia, Brazil. Um, one of the most famous ones is in, um, uh, I don't know what they're calling it these days, it used to be Sri Lanka. Okay. Very, very popular one. They also have, um, and I didn't know this until recently, but they have quite an array uh, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Oh, really? Yeah. And now when you're talking about arrays, you're talking about like the very large array over right. in western these New Mexico. huge things that turn, you know. I, I've they, got yeah. a funny story. You want right. to hear a story? Yeah. Okay. We were cruising across New Mexico coming in from Arizona years and years ago. We were in a motorhome. It was late, 11 o'clock at night. And we saw this sign that said Winston. And so we turned off on the little road and we crossed about four railroad tracks. And we're going, okay, so why all the trains out here? It didn't make any sense. But we just pulled off. We went ahead and slept the night. Next morning, I went, got up to let out the dog. And I opened up the door, and I'm looking at this satellite dish that's like 100 yards round. These things mm. are monsters. They're impressive. <laughs> oh, man. And they move them on railroad tracks, and they only move it like a mile an hour. Mm -hmm. But they move them for... for you know, I think 10 or 12 miles or whatever. Uh -huh. And they have them all set up to hear different uh, different things coming back to Earth or, or whatever. But I guess it's also to determine the makeup of different planets by the radio waves mm -hmm. and radio signals that come yes. back. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, it was the weirdest feeling to wake up and go to let the dog out and be sitting in the middle of this field mm -hmm. with all these great big satellite <laughs> dishes and I'm going, I don't think I'm supposed to be here, but here I am. 
<laughs> and then I went back to their museum because they've got a really nice museum they there. They do. Uh -huh. And I went back to the museum and I'm going, okay, so did you hear me snoring last night? <laughs> they more than likely did. <laughs> he said, no, we can't hear any of that. We're listening to stuff light years away. <laughs> but I was just, I'm surprised I didn't get hauled off and put inside some, some, some military well, uh, you were whatever, harmless. because I was a terrorist or something hiding underneath their, That's funny. their towers. Oh, it was. It was hilarious. I was just like, ah. So anyway, when she's talking about large arrays, that's what she's talking about. Yeah, they're huge. And they are huge. And if, you ever get, if you're ever going across western New Mexico and you get a chance to go to the Very Large Array Museum, it's well worth the visit. It is. It's awesome. And, and just to be able to see those... Top, those those uh, satellite dishes, they are so big, and I can't even remember how many tons they weighed, but they move super slow on those rail tracks so they can position. It's just, it's it's unbelievable. It is. It really is. It is, it is so Remarkable. cool. And I think that the movie Contact mm -hmm. was filmed there where uh, they, they were showing some of those satellites was, yeah. and some of it that. It was filmed there. But sorry to, dis to, that, to move okay. away from your museum. That's all right. but, a little rabbit hole here. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, what are some of the other displays that I'm I'm missing? That uh, I see you had a picture of our palenque. Okay, and what is the palenque? That's it, oh, right there. The big wooden carving. Yeah. Yes. Isn't that amazing? That is absolutely amazing. That comes from Palenque, Mexico. A tomb, uh, a temple was discovered within the temple, a tomb, within the tomb, a sarcophagus, and that's the lid of the sarcophagus. In the sarcophagus was the remains of two beings, one of them obviously and proven to be very, 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 very old. Okay. And Mayan in nature. Okay. Mayan, definitely, you know what they can do with DNA. The other being, not so much. What do they find out about that being? Not so old and not Mayan. But in the same sarcophagus. In the same sarcophagus. How come? Nobody knows? Nobody knows. But that's one of my favorites. That is um, uh, our Palenque astronaut. You can see, well, if you stand in front of it, it's very impressive. Mm -hmm. It's one of, oh, one of yeah. my favorites. But and you can just, see the astronaut the carving in the that. astronaut position. Right. You can see that the hands and the feet are engaged. Right. You can see the oxygen delivery through the nose. Okay. okay. And you can see that the, the astronaut is focused. And around it, there's symbols. Extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial contact all around in there. But my most fascinating, what fascinates me is, do I have this right? Okay, I do. Right here are the symbols for Venus, Jupiter, and Saturn. Okay. Okay, now this is taken from a tomb lid from 400 AD. Okay. Okay, now we all know that the Mayans, their, their science, their generational science, was sight-based astronomy. Okay. Sight-based. In other words, you can only see it with the naked eye. If they could only see it with the naked eye, how did, the, how did they know Saturn had a ring? Makes Saturn you think has a ring. That makes you think that uh, maybe Saturn it wasn't site-based. But they also know which planet is bigger and which planet's not. 
How did they know that? How did they know that if everything is sight-based? See, and, and I've got my own philosophies that where we are now, we have been before. There's too many things that are unexplained. That's the, that's the gist, the meat of the, of the study of the legend of King Pakal. That's it. We've been before. Right. Have you ever noticed that in South America they have those uh, where you fly over and it looks like a spider? Mm-hmm. Right. It looks like a hummingbird. It looks right. like an octopus. It looks like a flower. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, it looks like an airport. Yeah. 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 But I just, there's too many unexplained things architecturally. Like, I have a hard time understanding, and, and now I'm, we're going to go into Lauren's prejudices mm-hmm, here. Right. I, I, I did this with, with a lady at, the, at a museum I was at just a little while ago. We went into a, a room where they had a lot of Native American artifacts and mm-hmm. beautiful artwork. I mean, the quill work, the, all of that was so beautiful mm-hmm. and so intricate and mm-hmm. so well designed. And then you'd walk up to petroglyphs carved in the rocks. And there's an elk that, that is round and has funny-looking horns coming off of it. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to believe that these people that, that were able to do this kind of art mm-hmm. did that art also. And it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't, does it? <laughs> it doesn't. And this is the same kind of thing. You know, you, you've, got, you've got stonework that is so precise mm-hmm. that you can't put a knife blade into it. Mm-hmm. And we are supposed to believe that a million slaves chiseled away with rock, with, with, with stone tools mm-hmm. and were able to carry this stone 100 miles and place it mm-hmm. 50 feet in the air mm-hmm. with such precision. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that I, I don't see how archaeologists can even comprehend that that's a feasible theory. But this is just me. <laughs> no, it's not just you. A lot of people are wondering that, too. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. When I was like 14 or 15, I became fascinated with that. Absolutely fascinated with that. And I just kept reading everything I could get my hands on, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Fascinating, too. And and you're talking about, you know, being able to see the, the Saturn and Venus and mm-hmm. knowing which one's bigger and stuff. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't have they lost that technology somewhere along the way to where we think that they saw it with the naked eye? Mm-hmm. And they actually had the ability to do so much greater things. Mm-hmm. I mean, how long would, would a looking glass actually last if for some reason they had a cataclysmic event that, that created a, a reset? Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it all just kind of went away. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't last, and I, I wouldn't think that it'd last forever. Or deliberately destroyed. Or deliberately destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's mm-hmm. a possibility right. too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Too much to think about. I but know. But it's fun it's, to speculate. <laughs> yes, it's fun to speculate. It is. <laughs> and, and there are no there are no real answers. It's just all speculation. And, and like I said, I'm I'm not educated in the way of archaeology, geology, or any of that, but some things just don't make sense when you when you just sit down and think about it. Well, I think some people want you to take whatever it is that they have to show you, whatever it is that they have to say, at a face value, which is fine. Right. Which is fine. But then you start asking yourself these questions. How did they know Saturn had a ring? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That came from a carving 
from a tomb lid from 400 AD, and they knew Saturn had a ring. But they didn't only know that. They knew so much about constellations and mm -hmm. times. I mean, they, right. they, they were able to, the Mayans were able to calendar yeah. when eclipses were going to happen. And that calendar is still and accurate. All, and mm -hmm. all of that stuff, yes. mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's still accurate. It's still valid. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that our, our uh, what do they call space watchers? Astro astronomers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if a lot of them even have the degree of knowledge that that some of the Mayans and, and those people have that were able to project this stuff as far as they well, One of the questions I had, too, when I was first starting to focus on that is their, their science was generational, but right. it was all, also something that they shared. They made pilgrimages into the Americas mm -hmm. and shared all of that with the Native Americans. Isn't that cool? It is. But why? It's amazing, yeah. But why? I don't know. Why did they make it in the first place? Yeah. Why didn't they just grow corn and have babies? Why did they do that? And why was it generational? That was the gist of the society. That's what they were there for. That was their purpose, to do that. Yeah. Now, that's amazing to me. Mm -hmm. That's amazing to me. Way back in 400 A.D., here they were doing that. And, and it putting was so a, important to them that they walked thousands and thousands of miles at a certain time. Not a certain time of year, but every now and then they would walk thousands of miles to share it with the Native Americans. Why? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Oh, it's absolutely yeah, yeah. fascinating. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It, 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 it's beyond interesting. Mm -hmm. it, it's like total question of everything you've ever been told. I know. You know, I know. It, it, just to think that somebody is that devoted to that. To, I don't to remember exactly extent. where it is, but somewhere in an excavation, in an archaeological dig, a Native American dig, there is a Mayan calendar that had been dated, like, Thousands and thousands of years ago. Wow. Why? And what did they do with that? I mean, Thank you. Know, you. What did they, why? Yeah. I, I don't mean just that. I mean. And it's huge. You have. You it's have, not just like this. It's huge. It's yeah. huge. Where's it on display at? I don't remember. I wish I could remember. It's one of the, one of the Midwest states. Okay. And it's a national park. Huh. And I don't remember. Seems like a lot of that stuff just kind of gets stuck in the back of a museum and never seen again. Because people don't know anything about it. They don't yeah. understand it. They right. Don't, they don't think to question it. Mm -hmm. It's just this cool thing. Yeah. That they found. And the intricacy again of the woodwork mm -hmm. on that piece is just amazing. Well, I the mean, researcher that found it wanted to go back in and do like this full thing on it. You can imagine how excited he was. And the Mexican government said, no, it's already been compromised. We've already had problems with people going in there and stealing and wrecking it all up. No, you're not going back in for any reason. And they were out of it. No. And he said, well, how about one more time, just me, and I'll make a rubbing. And that's the only tool I'll bring in. Big, huge pieces of paper and big, huge chunks of charcoal, and that'll be it. And he did. And how and did that, you acquire this piece? To be honest with you, I don't know. 
but we've had to fight for it. They wanted to take it back. Huh. And somehow our deputy director, um, it didn't happen, obviously. Right. Yeah, but at the bottom of it. Right. Across the bottom of it, it mentions something about this is where the people start. Oh, there really? Be another one. Yeah, it goes across the bottom. They have it covered up with plants because they have the plants covering up the thing that's keeping it from crashing over. But yeah, it's really cool. Do you have a do you have the um um you don't have the there, that's it right there. Oh and okay. if you can read that I don't know if you can read that across the bottom right there. Can you read that across the bottom, the text across the bottom of the paper? This is our world containing human beings as ourself. This is where the people start. Hmm. Wow. Food for thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And and they've got a they've got a plaque here or a, or a poster that has the picture of this mm-hmm. along with all the different interpretations of what the signs are and the symbols on here. This is really interesting too. And it's it's really neat. Okay, now we've gone through the pictures that I've taken from mm-hmm. when we were here before. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that I've missed several things. Is there is there some other things that come to your mind that we haven't talked about that are on display out here? Well, we have a very, very narrow display of crop circles. Oh, yeah, I remember which, that. Yeah. To me... It goes much deeper than so many people think that um, all I can say is what we have just doesn't do it justice. Okay. It doesn't but... do the science justice. It doesn't do the phenomenon justice. It's and, just pictures. And there again, if I remember right, you go into the possibility of hoax on some of that too, correct? Oh, sure. Yeah, because oh, sure. you, you're, you're very objective here is what I saw. Yes, is you, I mean, you don't take pictures and say these are UFOs. You take pictures and say these aren't UFOs. These are fakes. Mm-hmm. And you do the same thing with the crop circles. Mm-hmm. You you yes. show crop circles, and then you also show how some people have claimed that they were made. Mm-hmm. And and you take both sides of the of the story and show right. uh, exactly the positive and the negative mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Exactly. But you kind of do that through your whole museum. Well, that's I, that's what we're here for. To give you everything you need to make up your mind. And it, and it is a cool museum. Thank you. Very Thank cool. You. Thank you. Uh, like I said, I've been through it a couple of times, mm-hmm. and, and I really, really like it. You too. But, I love uh, it here. <laughs> I'll bet you do. This yeah. would be a fun place to work. Oh, my God. I'm you sure can't that, believe it. I'm sure that talking to people that have had experiences would, and stuff would just blow your you mind. You wouldn't believe it. It's, it's one of the most amazing jobs I've ever had, really. Really. You hear cool stories all the time? Oh, my God. You wouldn't believe it. Some of them you just have to shake your head and go, whatever. But you have to keep an open mind. You have to keep an open mind, an open focus, an open spirit. But I think more than anything, you have to keep an open heart. And do you find that a lot more people have had uh, encounters or uh, sightings or that type of stuff that they just kind of keep to themselves and don't really share with other people unless they're in this type of a situation? Yeah, I do. I do. But you have to understand, you have to think, they 
they're probably dealing with something that they don't know what they're dealing with. Right. Something happened, but they don't know what. They don't know why. They don't even know if it did happen. Did it really happen? Did I dream it? Was I having a bad day? And a lot of people struggle with that. They struggle with that emotionally. And we have therapists that help them with that. Oh, really? Sure. But you also, and, and, and I didn't talk about this area, you also have an abduction area mm -hmm. that, that is here that, that uh, talks about different people and some abductions mm -hmm. and some of that type of some stuff. Some very, very popular, very um, newsworthy at the time uh, incidents of visitation. Yeah. Like fire in the sky. Fire in the sky. Travis Walton's fire in the sky. Tom Reed family. The um, Berkshire Mountain incident. Betty right. and Barney Hill. Yeah, yeah. That fire in the sky, I watched that one night and I did not want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to go for a walk in the forest. Huh? <laughs> there was nothing I wanted to do after watching that. <laughs> the only thing I learned is if, if you see something like that, you get the hell out of there. Yeah. You don't look up. Don't look up. <laughs> Those of you who know Travis wouldn't be a bit surprised at that. Why do you That's say Travis. that? Because he's just like that. He's kind of a rebel, kind of a rogue. I can see him popping out of that pickup truck going, holy smokes, what's that? I can see him doing it. I can see him doing it. You've met the man. I've met the man. He comes to our festival, and I'm very proud to say that I consider him uh, one of my friends. Cool. Yeah, he is cool. He's very cool. And festivals, are you talking about the festival that they have here in Roswell every mm -hmm. year? In July, yeah, our in, UFO festival. Okay, I've heard about this. I've never been you able to get go. here. I've, I've seen pictures it. from, oh, from a friend stars, of mine that I know here. you got to do it. you got to. It's amazing. We have so much fun with it. I was going to say, it looks to me like everybody's dressed up like aliens or dressed up like Star Wars characters or mm -hmm. or whatever it could yeah, be. Yeah, we have a blast yeah. with it. Big you parade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, I, we do. I, I've seen pictures. Yeah, and it, it's always been something that is kind of on my <laughs> list. But I've always had to kind of choose my times to come to to New Mexico, and summer's never been high on my list because of the heat. But uh, the balloon fiesta is a time that I've been here four different times for the balloon fiesta. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's always a good time. Of oh, course, yeah. that's that's two and a half hours away from here. Mm -hmm. But being as though I've got a sister-in-law and brother-in-law that live here, mm -hmm. uh, I always end up coming down this mm -hmm. way also. But and, and I've always enjoyed Roswell. I didn't know that I was going to like it when they first moved here. You know, they said yeah. that they were moving here. I'm going, why would you move to New Mexico? And after a couple of visits, all I could think is, if I didn't live in Wyoming... I'd probably mm -hmm. live in New Mexico. This place is, New Mexico is cool awesome. Yeah. It really is. It really is, yeah. It has a lot to offer, a lot to offer, a lot to keep you busy, a lot, a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun in Mexico. There's a lot of culture, a lot of fun. But yes. our festival, it'll give you the opportunity. Um, you've been to the back of the museum. Right. Okay. The horse is gone. The horse is tucked in over there, in the library over there. Actually, we kind of back them in right over there. And there's tables set up, and we invite authors, the usuals, of course. Right. Um, uh, Travis Walton, Tom Reed, um, Daryl Sims. We, uh, up until a few years ago, uh, enjoyed um, Stanton Friedman. 
but we also invite people, like different people that want to come and share. We, um, uh, we always look forward to seeing Yvonne Smith. She's one of the therapists that I was telling you about right. that helps people with um, their, um, uh, they might have a traumatic issue that they need to work through. A remarkable woman. But you have an opportunity to sit down with this person, shake their hand and see what they're all about and talk with them and see what they're up to. They might have a new book that isn't out yet that you can buy. Really? Yeah, and they're very generous. And what weekend? What, what weekend? It's usually is... over the Fourth of July. Okay, yeah. so right about crash site time. Yeah, right about crash site time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and there's other things in Roswell too. They have film festivals, and the convention center usually has something going on, and we usually have. Oh, let's see. From what I understand, now I'm a vegan, so don't take me at my word, but we have some of the best barbecue. <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm. And we have street vendors, and we have face painting, and we have um, people dressed up like aliens up and down the street, and we have the best cup of coffee in the whole universe, just a block and a half up, called okay. Stellar Coffee. Yeah, it's fun. We have a good time with it. The population in... Um, Roswell doubles. Wow. So you have quite the turnout. It's amazing. It's so fun. Oh, I'm going to have to put that on my you have list to. of things to do. You have to. And you, have, you don't have to worry about a hotel room because you have a place to stay. Well, we have a place to stay no matter where we go. I see. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You have an RV. Yep. So anyway, well, I really appreciate your time today, Beth. I appreciate you taking my us pleasure. on the tour, even though oh, yeah. it was it's kind of a recollection tour. One of those newfangled virtual tours. <laughs> I've never done a tour like this. Usually we go and are able to look at the displays, yeah. but times being what they are yeah unfortunately uh, and unfortunately and i so appreciate you making your time today my pleasure my pleasure uh, you guys have a website and a gallery for the museum here uh okay so your email information is info at roswellufomuseum.com mm -hmm. yes and that is the same thing for your uh website it's mm -hmm. www. R-O-S-W-E-L-L-U-F-O-M-U-S-E-U-M.com. Mm -hmm. Or you can just look up uh, the way I usually do it. Like I said, I know it's not the right name, but I look up Alien Museum in Roswell, and it always comes up. Uh, they've got a gallery that you can see some of the pictures, I think. Mm -hmm. And they've got a gift shop here. If you show up here, the gift shop is absolutely amazing. They've got all things alien in there. We got the coolest T-shirts in the whole wide world. There's and, the Palenque astronaut. And the museum is easy to find. It's right on the main street in Roswell. Can't you can't miss it. miss it. It's got great big uh, international UFO museum written on the outside. Yeah, we're plugged into a vintage movie theater. Right. And so out there on the marquee, it, it's got all kinds of stuff and aliens in front. So if you're going through New Mexico, make the detour. Come see the UFO Museum. You will not be sorry. It is a lot of fun, a lot of photo ops, and a lot of things to look and see and do. Thanks again, Beth, for my having pleasure, us here. My pleasure, of course. Thank you for the opportunity. And as I always say at the end of my podcast, the world is full of wonder. It's People need to get out and explore. Absolutely. There's a lot of fun things to see and do. And everybody have an absolutely wonder-filled day.
All the rolling go, where am I to go, meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? 